0: And welcome back to Inside the 275 Loop, everybody. I'm your host Sean McMahon, alongside Tyler Gilman and Ethan Herzog. This is Episode 16 of Inside the 275 Loop. All of things Cincinnati sports. We have a very special guest with us. They are our first guest ever on the podcast. Podcast, everyone. Please welcome Chad Brendel from the Bear Chad,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll give yeah, you some applause there. We're doing good. We're doing good. How about yourself? Uh, I can't complain. And if I did, nobody would listen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kind of how it goes here. I have a wife and a daughter. Nobody hears a word I say in this household. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
2: my. oh,
0: Lord. Right off the bat with some humor. So, Chad, uh, welcome in. As I mentioned, Chad is with the Bearcat Journal. So, Chad. We're going to kind of introduce you um, for the viewers that maybe don't know who you are. I just have some questions to kind of get you to get everyone caught up and get uh, filled in. Uh, So my first question um, is more just a statement. Kind of tell me where you started uh, with UC athletics and uh, I guess writing and just where you started uh, in general.
1: Oh, you started with the long one. I'll I'll try to give the abridged version. Okay. so I, I started I went to Marshall. Um, at the time, uh, there was not a lot of sports media options uh, when looking at college. This is a long time ago. Uh, I guess I, my, I would almost assure I graduated high school before all of you were born. Uh, so in 1995, uh, there weren't a lot of places you could go to do, like there was plenty you could go and, and do journalism and do media, but, but very few sports options. Marshall had a sports broadcasting department. Um, they were one of the few places where you could call games. Like I was, I was a sideline reporter for Marshall's national runner up uh, football team in 1995. And, it, you know, I was 17 years old when I got the job sideline reporting college football games. Uh, I did a uh, color commentary for a Marshall versus Kentucky basketball game at Rupp Arena. in you know, that, that December, like, so it, it was, it, a place where you could go and instantly get started. I had a a 30 minute weekly uh, radio show with Billy Donovan, uh, who happened to be the head coach, the head basketball coach of Marshall at the time. So I went down there, um, got into the broadcasting field. um, Fast forward uh, to about 2001. I had gotten out of it for a little while because it's a terrible profession and there's no money in it. Um, <laughs> but I decided I was, I was going to get back in. Um, and as I decided I was going to get back in, you start looking around and, you know, there weren't a lot of radio jobs in Cincinnati and radio was what I really wanted to do. Um, so around 2006, uh, I started taking notice of this trend of team sites, uh, as a, as a way to get in. There's a guy named Todd Cunningham that had started the rival site, Bearcat Layer, uh, which was the first iteration. And I was the first, his first employee. Um, I was doing new media. I was starting toying around with podcasts and video. And, and I was actually taking pictures and filming video on the sideline at games. Um, and then over time I became a part owner. And then in 2016, Uh, I took over full ownership of the site uh, because there was just the reality that, you know, there were, there have been a couple other startup radio stations like FM sports talk stations uh, over the years. Uh, I worked at both of those. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Lance had his show. Lance McAllister had his show. Mo Egger had his show and there weren't any other shows. So when you want to do talk radio and there aren't any shows to do talk radio, you you kind of have to forge your own path. So I did that. And uh, like I said, 2016, spring of 2016, I took over full ownership of what had become Bearcat Journal with 24-7 Sports. And here we are. And that's the, the shortest version I can give you. There were a lot of twists and turns along the way, and now, you know, ironically, I'm when Mo takes a day off, I'm kind of the fill-in for Mo Egger, uh, so I get to scratch the radio itch from time to time. But uh, I love what we've what we've created at Bearcat Journal. It's uh, it's unique and it's fun, and we try to have as much fun with it as possible. But also to to be kind of a leader in the market and what we do.
0: Yeah, and to kind of bounce off of that, Chad, um, you know, you you have become a pretty major source uh, for news regarding uc athletics you know you're getting retweeted all the time people are sharing your tweets whatever um they're sharing your reports um what's it what is it like kind of being one of those major reporters for a pretty major uh, athletic department for a
1: major university it's a lot of fun because i grew up a uc fan like i grew up going to my games with my dad um We've made trips to NCAA tournaments and road games. And, um, you know, that really started right around the time they moved into Fifth Third Arena Shoemaker Center um, in the late 80s, early 90s. So you're, you know, 11, 12 years old and going to games with your dad like that becomes the stuff that you love. Um, And it was a, a big reason why I was like, I have a firm belief, like I always see people in this business. They leave town and go other places. And I understand it. it's, it's, it's necessary at times. Um, but I always found it was going to be almost impossible to cover something you don't like have a passion for. Like you know, you're from Cincinnati, but you're in Pittsburgh covering the Steelers gross. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. It wouldn't be genuine or like me covering the St. Louis Cardinals. that I've hated my whole life. Like, no, that's not, it's not going to happen. Um, So that part of it is really cool. Like uh, I I took my dad to a a football game and he was down on the field with me. And this is, I don't know, three or four years ago. And like people, he had a, a Bearcat Journal hat on and people kept coming up to him and asking him about Bearcat Journal. And then he would, you know, get to tell him that his son runs it. And there was that first sense of like, you know, your dad's proud of you, right? Like that's really cool stuff. Um, but for me, the biggest thing, like I'm not a, it, it's an interesting world. Cause I'm not a journalist. I'm not a writer, I guess is the right way to put it. Um, I can write, I'm pretty good at writing. I hate writing, uh, at the fiber of my being. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I see myself as more of like an insider as like a, you know, an, an Adam Schefter type. And, and in order to do that, I did a lot of research on that. You better be connected. You better have trust. Uh, throughout whatever it is that you're covering. Um, And if you don't, you're sunk because you're not going to be able to like, look, I got like, I got to compete every day with Justin Williams, who is an incredible journalist and a trained journalist from the Scripps Howard School at at Ohio U. Like he's legit. That's not my training. (laughs) But so to compete with that, like you have to make sure you're on point. You have to make sure you know the right people when, when something happens or when you get a tip. Um, you got to know the right places to go. And that's one of the things that's been awesome about Bearcat Journal that you didn't really consider when we started doing this. It's a, it's a subscription service, right? And you have to, the people that are going to subscribe are going to have a deep love for UC because it costs money. Like they're spending their hard-earned money well, what you find out is you're tapping into the very core of the fan base, big-time donors, big-time boosters, people that, that sit in the good seats uh, and wear the red sweaters. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, you start to find out that's a great source for information because they all hear things you know as well. And I got it, the, the Greg Scruggs thing. I got a tip from, from somebody on the site on Greg Scruggs. Uh, Tuesday and started digging on that. And unfortunately, Pete Thamel beat me to it, which is what happens when you have the power of ESPN behind you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's stuff like that. Like it, it, it's just, you have to utilize all of your resources. Uh, you have to make sure you're leaving no stone unturned. Uh, but it's really cool to kind of be in that position where, you know, now I'm one of the places where people go if they're looking. Uh, you know, for accurate and credible UC information that takes a long time to build that up. And it's, uh, it's very nice to finally be there.
0: So I know I said I was going to limit myself to three questions, but uh, the more you talk, you're good. I kinda, you're good. I'm like, you know, I, I am a journalism major here at UC. So I've done interviews before and I know what it's like to kind of come up with conversations on the, or questions on the spot and uh-huh. a conversation. So uh, again, kind of bouncing off something you said, when you first joined Bearcat Journal or you said it was called Bearcat Layer uh when it first yeah. started back in 2006. They they
1: stole our name for the section uh in the stadium, which okay. I wasn't thrilled about, but <laughs> what can you do? <laughs>
0: yeah. That's that's what happens when there's people that have more money, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was that first aha moment when you realized I, I well, you know, what was, what was the first moment in your career with Bearcad journal that was like, that kind of, you had to take a second and kind of appreciate like where you were, or what you were doing.
1: It happened a lot. Um, I, I think for me, the biggest, like the biggest thing that really catapulted my career was um, getting to the point where like, it, the coaches, the people inside the university, like where you started to have that trust, because when you're new, like you know, you're dealing with like you know, like a Bill Cook that um, covered the team for like 25 years for the, the Post and the Enquirer, and and especially back then, like you, it, you have to remember, 2006, uh, internet media was not a thing, and it 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 was difficult to even get credentials or to even to get in. And when you got in, the print media kind of looked down upon you, you know, <laughs> internet media, who are these guys? Um, for me, I think the, 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 the moment of like realization that we were really starting to make waves was when uh, Mick started allowing me to like come to practices and started to like, uh, you know, be okay with, we would do like a media session and then the media would leave. And I would be allowed to stay. And I probably watched a thousand practices uh, with, with Mick's dad. Because um, Mick's dad was at every practice. And if Mick's dad Hep played baseball for UC, not a lot of people know that, uh, was a letterman for UC back in the, uh, the, the 60s. Um, and is a Hall of Fame basketball coach in Cincinnati, and is also a Hall of Fame Major League Baseball scout. Uh, he was one of the, the head scouts for the Atlanta Braves uh, during their run in the nineties, you know, where they won a world series. And uh, he was, you know, like uh, his, his claim to fame was he was the lead scout on Chipper Jones. Um, so getting, this is, this is something I try to explain to people all the time. Like when I got the job, the like guy was a basketball junkie my whole life. Unfortunately, I was five foot eight and, you know 118 pounds soaking wet I was not uh gonna play basketball uh at, at much of a high level but I love the sport and I I considered myself a basketball junkie and then you get into those practices and you're sitting with a, a legendary basketball coach every day and I realized is this a pg-13 podcast or is it uh how do we do this
0: no it's it's whatever you want I mean we're not regulated okay, by
1: know. by any I don't I don't body. want to get you guys in trouble. <laughs> no, you're good. I realized, you're good. I realized I didn't know shit about basketball. <laughs> because, like, you're learning, like, what's the one – like, if I could give fans one common piece of advice is the ball is not where things are happening. Like, of course, everybody watches the ball. But once you start advancing to understand, like, the, the nuances of the game – you're watching off the ball. What's the help defense look like? Where where are the screens coming from? What type of screens are they setting? Um, how are they rebounding? Are they sending, you know, multiple bodies to the defensive glass? Uh, are they trying to run out and get fast break points? Like, just the finer points of the game, you start to watch, and you're like, I, I st- like, I don't. I was just seeing such a very simple form of the game. So going through that process was really for me when it was like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to, to get somewhere. Now it's not just a guy for a website putting his feelings on the website. Now you're starting to, to get the inner workings of how things are happening, why things are happening, um, what's going to happen going forward, um, and, and mix like the Mafia. So like Mick, until you're made, you're out. (laughs) And then once you're made, you're family and you're in. Um, So that was for me, that was really like the realization of, okay, this is starting to stick. Like, you know, this is starting to become more of a thing and not just, you know, a guy that throws some articles up or, or, you know, does some recruiting coverage or produces some highlight videos of games or whatever, um, and from there, it just kind of year by year, the more you work and the more you, you know, keep attacking, the more it starts to stick.
0: So you learned a lot of uh, of what you know now because you spent all that time behind the scenes with Mick and his dad. And you spent like you said, you spent hundreds, if not thousands of just practices, just watching and learning. Yeah. And it was a pretty steep learning curve, I would imagine, because I mean, I, I you know it's like you said. I'm at a pretty simple understanding of the game. You know, I just, I kind of follow the ball, but I still have that right. journalist perspective of like, hey, watch the sidelines or, you know, whatever. You watch those things that people typically don't watch, but there's definitely parts of the game that even I'm, you know, I don't appreciate that. I don't understand. And, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old and, you know, this is all <laughs> pretty new information to me. So, right. um, you know, for, for young, I think that's the thing for young uh, broadcasters or writers like myself, um, you know you don't realize how much of a steep learning curve you actually have to like, as much as much as you think you know about it, about right. the game you really don't because you you're still new like if you were a player that's one thing but if you're like you know me or you or whatever you you probably don't know as much about the game as you think you do and um so that that steep learning curve is is something that is extremely important so and i i i need to get to that point where i need to start you know, I, and I didn't realize how little I knew about football until I started working for the football team a couple of years ago. Right. I worked under Adam Niemeyer for two years. Um, doing video, yeah, yeah, doing video. So I did that for two years, and there was just so much about the game that, you know, I I can kind of take into my writing and
1: my broadcasting experience that's just become incredibly helpful. So it's it's a really yeah, it's a major tool. It's a huge part of it. Like the more you understand about the game, the more that you're you're going to be able to to talk about or write about things that educate people that are just watching the ball, people that are just uh, at a basic level of um, they're, they're just a fan. Like they, they, they want to see their team put the ball in the basket. Uh, they want to see some dunks. They want to see some threes. Uh, they don't want the defense to get run over and uh, allow, you know, 54% shooting. Um, but if you can educate them, I think it goes a long way uh, in helping them understand and helping them kind of see the game uh, a little bit different. And it's also the more you, and and you'll learn this, Sean, the more you uh, grasp what you're seeing and what's happening, the more the book opens on what you can write about, what you can talk about. <clears throat> because, you know, you, you saw something, like you said, you you did the, the video stuff and I'm sure you learn like, okay, this is, where the video goes, this is how the video gets broken down. This is what they're looking for out of the video. So now when you watch football, you're watching, okay, they ran this three wide receiver concept to the left. This was why they ran the concept. This was what they were trying to do to get this guy open. And were they running a drag route with a pick? Where they were trying to get a, you know, a guy free coming across the middle, or were they running a deep corner? Um, where they, you know, they, they try to rub the guy and the guy in the slot is, is the actual target. And then when stuff like that works, you can say, well, you know, Desmond Ritter likes to look for, you know, Trey Tucker on the corner route when he gets, when he gets this coverage or, um, you know, why did they check to a run? Uh, well, they checked to a run because there were five guys in the box, uh, and they were dropping coverage, you know, they were dropping eight in coverage. So they went run. Um, the more of that stuff as a young guy that you can figure out and, and you can appreciate and it's the thing is now it's easier than ever uh, if you're really dedicated to it because you can go to YouTube and like type in like anything and and a coach's clinic will come up from a respected coach that has this philosophy or, or wants to know this. Um, the cool thing to me like is as you got into it. Was seeing even coaches like you know if you're if if I was sitting with with Coach Cronin on on the road in an AAU tournament uh, in the summer watching high school prospects, another coach would come up and they would share like you know Mick kind of started running a, a matchup zone defense that was um, started by one of his coaching friends but it was kind of revolutionary uh, and you see it all over the place now but other coaches from around the country would come up and sit down with Mick and be like explain to me the 25, like, what do you, why did you go to it? What are you trying to get out of it? What are the principles? And you just hear coaches sitting there talking shop and, and sharing ideas. And uh, that kind of thing is if, if they're always trying to expand their knowledge, you always have to try to expand your knowledge if you're going to be covering it, because if not, you're going to fall behind. You're, you're not going to be able to see clearly what you need to write about and why you need to write about it
0: and that sort of stuff takes time too you know yeah, it, it, like sure. i said it takes a lot of time it, it doesn't happen overnight um i mean i know there's times when i'm reading articles and or i'm watch. i'm even watching film you know uh on football and there's things that you know i couldn't have told you uh, um, uh, two years ago that i could maybe try to tell you now like i've gotten better at kind of figuring out say football i've, I've gotten better about figuring out offensive schemes and stuff like that but you know, and I'm still have a very basic knowledge of the game, but it's going to take a lot of time for me to get really sure. an advanced understanding to write about that sort of stuff. Um, and that's a little intimidating, for sure, no doubt. But, um, yeah, the steep, the steep learning curve is, it's a fun thing, but. Um,
1: as long as you're willing to work, like that's, right. that's the key thing that, that I've seen too many people come into this business and they want it to be, they think it's fun and they want it to be easy. Well, it is fun. But it's not easy if, if, if you're serious, if you're gonna stick around. I, I used to have a broadcasting class that I, that I attended that the professor the first day of class would stand there for like 10 minutes and not say a word. Just look around the room, look at each one of you. It'd be a class of like you know, 20, 25 people. And eventually being a broadcasting class, you've got a bunch of type A personalities or you would think you would, right? And somebody eventually says like, what are we doing? And he would say, I'm trying to figure out which three of you are going to make it. (laughs) And that was usually a pretty like, one, it was the first thing that you ever heard from the guy when he did the class, trying to figure out which three of you are going to make it. But looking back on it, it really like, and the honesty is, I think there are, there's four of us, I think that were in that class that made it into the industry and you know, carved out careers uh, that are still, you know, lasting to this day. And everybody else fell by the wayside. So it's, uh, it, it, there's a reason it's really difficult. The, part of the reason it's really difficult is because it doesn't pay well uh, for it's a un- long time. Yeah, it's an unforgiving <laughs> industry. It's an unforgiving
0: yeah. industry. That's for sure. It's tough to break through in and takes a lot of time. So um, did you ever see bear? cat journal making it this far and i'll have a follow-up question that i'll ask at the end but when you first started did you did you see t- uh, Bearcat journal kind of
1: taking off the way it
0: has in recent
1: years no if we're being honest no i I'll, i've got a direct story for that uh, i have a direct story for everything that's why when people ask me to do podcasts i asked how long mm-hmm. and then i usually plan on it being at least a half an hour longer so be prepared um <laughs> uh when i it took us from 2006 to 2016 to build up to 500 subscribers. Um, we started from zero. You know, when you, when you start a business like this, you start from scratch, and you have to, you know, power your way through uh, the the first building of the base. Um, and we couldn't get over like we would be right at 475, 480 you know, and you'd have a, something would happen. You'd have a little surge of members and then you'd fall back and you'd have a surge and you'd fall back. Um, So when I took over in 2016, the belief was like, just get us above that 500 member mark, you know, get above there. And it wasn't much money. And it it was one of those things that it was going to have to be like a, like you're gonna have to work full time, but you were probably going to, and I've done, I've worked in radio uh, you know, don't done promotions and production and radio. What are, we, are you, am I getting the wrap it up thing up here? I only got my, 10 minutes left.
3: Yeah. My, th- hold on. D- keep going. I'm upgrading. Okay. I'm, I'm spending money. This is happening. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, if you need to, I can, I can put do it on my end and send you guys the video. Um, so it was it was really hard going through that, that threshold that, you know, are we going to be able to ever do this where it's, it's a full-time job. I know there was a time um, with, with Tim Adams and I, who was my partner for the longest time, we were splitting. And this is a a horror story for uh, all of you aspiring broadcasters listening. We were, he was covering football full-time. I was covering basketball full-time. We were splitting roughly, uh, we were each making $1,000 a month as a full-time job. It's not great. And this wasn't long ago. It, like, this was less than a decade ago. So I was in my 30s, mid-30s. And, uh, you know, I was doing uh, high school games on public access. Like I said, working jobs in uh, at Q102, doing promotions and production and radio. and anything I could pick up on the side um, I was doing just to kind of supplement the income. Um, And then right around the time that Luke got hired in in that, in that period of Tommy kind of things fell apart um, and Luke got hired, we saw like a 200, 250 member jump to get over that. Uh, 500 mark and now all of a sudden we had increased in like two months we had increased the business 50 percent um so we had gone from 500 to 750 and i was like then you start that like man if we could i don't know if we'll ever do it but but if we could hit a thousand this could become a real like a real job i could be a real boy and um then we hit a thousand then we hit fifteen hundred And now we're just under, we're at like 1780, 1790. So we're just under 1800 members. Uh, So no, I never saw, like in my wildest dreams, I thought if we grew this to the biggest, it could possibly be grown. We could maybe, maybe hit a thousand members. Uh, And we're, you know, six months a year away from doubling it. Uh, I think we gained over 600 members alone in 2021. So surprisingly, the pandemic was good for content because everybody was home. Like everybody was on their computers or on their phones. or just sitting around doing nothing. And sports was one of the few things that was happening. Um, so well, that and the, the other thing that's really good is that good for business. Coaching changes. Uh, When there's coaching change, we make a lot of money. Uh, And it's even gotten to the point now when just like when the Notre Dame job opened, the night the Notre Dame job opened, we gained 84 subscribers. Luke Fickle never talked to Notre Dame. Luke Fickle never was in conversation, but just because that job came open and everybody instantly knew like we need to go to the place that has the info, we gained 84 subscribers in like eight hours uh, after Brian Kelly took the LSU job. So, uh, coaching changes are great for business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They stir up a lot of controversy. I remember when that, that whole thing was going down, I had tons of people around me that were asking me questions. They were worried. They were like, Oh my God, is he going to leave? And then I think this was one thing I read about an article. I think it was written by someone in the LA times. Um, it was about would Luke fickle be like a good fit for usc this was when you know obviously mike bone the former ad here is now the ad out there people one thing people didn't understand and i'm kind of going off topic here is is like amy fickle right how much of a role she plays in she's the boss she's the boss right yeah they got six kids they they got a family to worry about so i kept telling people like you know i'm not like an insider kind of guy but i did work for the team for two years so i have like a I'm not trying to be arrogant, but like I have a better idea. No, you got, to <laughs> you got a
1: basic knowledge of the situation, yeah.
0: right? So that was, you know, it, it, it's kind of fun when those things, those rumors, start to get stirred up because then, like you know, like they did with Bearcat Journal, they'll start to ask you more questions and they'll start to rely on you more. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun. It is good for the, it is good for the business. It, I never really thought about it like that.
1: Yeah, the funny thing is when things are going well, subscriptions are pretty flat because things are going well. Like. In order to drive subscriptions, you need news and not just like your everyday run of the mill news. Like you need big news uh, to to really push people to the site. So uh, and yeah, uh, Luke, Luke is the boss of the football program and Amy is the boss of Luke. Make no mistake. (laughs) She's great. I love her. Like she's such a fun personality. And you talk about somebody that's got her shit together to be able to do that every day and, and deal with two sets of twins that are in sports and a daughter that's in sports and a son that's in sports and a husband that's literally never home because, you know, he's got a job that requires all of his time and attention. Um, she is a rock star and uh, the lover to death. She's great. She's great
0: people. Yes. He wanted to buy us plane tickets on the way home back from the military bowl, like the equipment staff and all of us. And unfortunately, we never saw the those plane tickets, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It was a pretty short drive back to Cincinnati. But um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Tyler. Tyler's going to have some questions for you, Chad, and then uh, we'll send it to Ethan after that. So, Tyler, you're up. All right. Uh,
2: first, I do want to say thank you for coming on this podcast. It's, you know, great to see uh, such, like, a uh, I want to say, like, important person, like the UC Athletics Department here to, you know, help us. Not only us, but people that are maybe are listening in, looking for something, and how to maybe start out. Um, Sean, I know Sean gave a couple like you know general questions. Uh, mine are really specific to like UC athletics as a whole. Uh, so the first thing I want to set or ask is like your thoughts on the basketball season. I mean, I know it's it wasn't what we expected, you know, but you know, I just want to know your thoughts on it.
1: I mean, it's what I predicted somewhere between seventeen and nineteen wins. Um, so it kind of was what I expected. It, it's a team that we knew coming in was going to be limited offensively. Um, they just don't have a lot of uh, guys that are natural scorers. Um, and what has kind of played out, and I, I wasn't sure about this because I didn't like, I had, like, I was familiar with Adul Ad- Adu um, through his time at Mississippi State. I scouted him when he was a prospect. Um, but figuring out like once you figured out he's really not a guy you can you know throw the ball into in the post um and 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 get four or five six baskets a game like they don't really have that and if you don't have that you have to rely so much on jump shooting um because it, it softens the defense up so much if you've got a guy um that just can Yancey Gates, uh, a Gary Clark, um, a Kyle Washington, even with the, with the funky hook shot Um, it it changes what you can do offensively. It changes your ceiling offensively. Um, So when that started to become even more clear uh, it was clear that this was a team that, that when they shot it well from three uh, they were going to be tough to beat. Uh, But on those nights where they struggled from three, It was going to be a challenge. Um, I I said this on on my podcast this week. Uh, I I think, honestly, the worst thing that happened to this team, and this is just kind of a, a, a basketball observation more than anything else. Remember the three games David DeJulius scored 25, 24, and 23 points? Opponents looked at that and said, okay, there's the head of the snake. You know, if he scores, if in those games he scores 18, uh, 15, and 16, the, the way that they're playing Cincinnati probably doesn't change. But he had those three games where he scored 20-plus, and then they played Memphis. And Memphis ran a defense where they did everything humanly possible to get the ball out of his hands. They high hedged ball screens. They jumped him uh, with double teams when he got the ball in the wing. Um and and basketball is such a copycat sport. What did everybody say? Oh well, they, they took De Julius out, and the team really struggled offensively uh to get things moving. And so everybody has kind of copycatted that now. Um, and if you look, the scores reflect it because they've struggled to get out of the, the 50s for two and a half weeks. Um, so I think that's you know, it's it, it's a situation where there are ebbs and flows to a season. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Cincinnati started really well. They beat Illinois, Arkansas kind of showed one way to slow them down, get physical with them, beat them up on the offensive glass, get second chance points, uh, and it'll cause them some issues. And then Cincinnati adjusted, um, after the loss to to, to Tulane at home to open American athletic conference play, then they went on a little bit of run of their own. And they were scoring 71, 80, 90 points against Tulsa or uh, Tulsa. Yeah. Um, And then teams countered again with what I just talked about. And they just didn't have like, there wasn't another magic button to push to, to find any, the juice was out of the the orange. (laughs) Just pulp left. (laughs) So they were going to have to bare knuckle it. And unfortunately they've lost a bunch of close ones uh, in that process. So, uh, not too far off from what I expected, but also you can see the culture Wes is, is pumping into the program. Uh, you can see the type of team, the type of effort every night that this team is going to have. So the building blocks for the future are in place. It's just got some lumps to take, uh, to, to get across the finish line, uh, for this season.
2: Yeah, I, uh, definitely the season we all expected. Um, but I did, to bounce off that a little bit, um, you did bring up Wes Miller briefly right there on the culture that he built around this basketball program. Um, I was just going to ask, like, what are your thoughts on it? Like, were your thoughts different when, you hi- when he was hired? Um, are they different now than when they were when he was hired? Uh, so overall, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, the thoughts are about the same uh fortunately when you do this for you know i like i said i've been uh doing the the uc thing specifically and the college sports thing specifically uh for going on this is year 16 um i had a lot of people to kind of rely on in terms of getting a a scouting report on wes what was he like um what kind of coach was he how did he how did he handle media how did he handle uh, fan bases. How did he handle, you know, administration? So I had a pretty good idea of what I was getting by the time I, I first met him. Um, but you never know. Like that's the I talk about how coaching changes are are great for business. They're also a nightmare uh, because you're going to deal with the new staff. You're going to deal not only with a new head coach, uh, but you're going to deal with with all new assistants, all new support staff. Um, top to bottom, you're going to have to change, uh, the entirety of your process on how you cover the team and figure out what, what the points of contact are, what, what angles you're going to have to cover now. Uh, fortunately, Wes has been phenomenal. Um, he's very much a people person. Uh, he's very much got that outgoing charismatic personality that you see in press conferences and Uh, when, when people get to meet him in person, that's how he is pretty much every day. Um, and you go back to, we did our subathon a couple of weeks ago on our YouTube channel and I reached out and he's like, well, uh, I'm going to see Daniel skillings that day. So I'm not going to be in town. I'm going to be on the road, but get with coach Morgan and we'll figure out when we're going to land in Philadelphia. And I'll make sure that we carve out, uh, some time to get, get you taken care of He went to a coffee shop in Philadelphia after the plane landed, gave me 30 minutes of his time. Um, And like that kind of stuff, that same day, Luke Fickle called in from Mexico uh, while he was on vacation with his family and entire staff. Um, That kind of stuff doesn't happen at most places. Uh, So we're, we're very lucky here to have the two guys that we have, but it's also a testament to just, like you got to build the relationships. You got to, you got to keep those things strong. Uh, And if you do uh, everything will take care of itself. Uh, But that's, that's who Wes is like, if he can help you out, he will help you out. Um, So it's been a a great experience so far. Uh, A lot of times, like it felt like, you know, it it usually takes a year or two to really like get in tight and have a, a, you know, a good understanding of what the roles are, who's handling what. Um, with Wes, at like four or five months in, I was like, holy cow, we're at, like, we're at year two already. Uh, so that part's been been awesome.
2: Yeah, you know, definitely. It, it's pretty evident um, if you watch UC basketball, you know, maybe the performance isn't at an all-time high. Uh, but you see Wes Miller as the guy who I think can really change the culture in a very positive way. Um, A guy that I think every UC fan should be excited to have, um, especially when it comes to both sports, like you said, Westmore and Luke Fickle. Uh, Which brings me to my next point slash question. Um, You know, Luke Fickle literally changed his program around uh, to make them, I would say, a powerhouse in college football in a sense. Um, How how do you feel about the extension that UC gave uh, Luke Fickle and also... Um, you know Luke Fickle and the football program lost very notable players in the uh to the draft slash graduation. You know with Ritter, Sauce, Kobe Bryant, Darian Beavers, all those kind of players. So do you think Luke Fickle has what it takes uh, for next season to come in and still be successful after losing
1: all these uh, pretty
2: amazing players?
1: Um, the, the one thing about the extension that still is amazing to me is that that John Cunningham brought in the extension in week seven. And Luke Fickle was like, I'm going to put this in my briefcase and we'll talk, uh, you know, in, in two months. A million and a half dollar raise, right? A million and a half dollars a year raise. And he was like, uh, I'm busy right now. So uh, I'm going to get back to you on that. <laughs> um, maybe I'll give it to my wife and you guys can talk, but I'm not, that's not, I'm busy. Like I got stuff to do. But and And the reality is, It's true because that's who he is. Like he is so laser focused on, on accomplishing what he wants to accomplish that he's not going to let anything get in the way. Like, do I think he would, would have loved to hear from Notre Dame? Yes. That is one of, you know, especially for him, probably one of the top two jobs in the country. Uh, Does that mean he would have taken it? No, but I'm sure he would have loved to hear what they had to say, what, what the pitch was, what, you know, their vision was and if it aligned with his, Um, but they reached out. He said, I'm busy. If you want to talk when I'm not busy, I'll be here. But until this team is done accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish, um, it's a no from me, which that's just, that's not how this works. That's not how this process works. That's not how college sports works. So he's a one of one, you know, a true one percenter in that regard. Uh, and I think that bleeds over into the second part of your question. There's no way he's not going to be successful, even though, you know, you you take all these guys and, and here's the amazing thing, Tyler, if you look, none of these guys were highly rated. None of them, not a single one that, that you look at uh, that are, that are participating in the combine. Uh, Darian Beavers had to go to UConn out of high school. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> Brian Cook, Brian Cook went to Howard and came back. Desmond Ritter's only offer was Eastern Kentucky besides Cincinnati. Kobe Bryant was, was there when Luke Fickle got the job because he didn't want to play in the Mac. Like he wanted to play at a high level of college football. Um, and, and it goes on down the line. Alec Pierce was, was right there in Chicago for Northwestern and Illinois and Wisconsin and, and, you know, all of those teams, they all passed because he played for a team that, that ran the ball uh, and he never really overly got to showcase his skills. He took all of those guys and turned it into a college football playoff team. If you look at the roster now, they are going to have three classes that were their three highest rated recruiting classes in program history, freshman, sophomore, junior class, or, you know, first year, second year, third year in the program. And that goes to show there's more talent, significantly more talent in the pipeline now than when he took over. I'm certainly not uh, of the belief that he will win less with more. I you watch the way he operates, you watch the way he runs the program. He's going to get the most out of these kids because they really do love playing for him. They really do love uh, what he brings to the table and and what that he practices, what he preaches. Like there's no, there's no BS. He's not telling you one thing and then doing another behind your back. What you see is what you get from Luke. Um, So I'm really excited to get this process started Saturday with the start of spring football because I'm really excited to see what's next. Like I asked him today and I think this is the perfect way to describe it. And and I'm glad he he got my reference and didn't take a shot at me because he usually does. Um, (laughs) This is not like, so the first five years were, you know, each year was a chapter. This year's not chapter six. This year's chapter one of book two. And I think that excites him that now he gets to kind of reset. Like, you know, he get, now he gets to work on the sequel. He, he wrote the first story through those first five years. Now let's see what the story looks like through the next five years. Um, and, and he has said this before. As long as he feels like there's a challenge, as long as he feels like he's, he's being pushed by this job, then he has no desire to go anywhere because he wants to continue uh, until this thing is maxed out. And that, to me, is really exciting in terms of where, the, where everything goes next.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Luke Fickle is a, a great coach. Um, I think everyone knows that. And just uh, like Wes Miller, the culture he has around it, you know, everyone wants to be at the right. football games. They want to see him. They want to see all these players make these great plays. Um, I think it's really great to see. Um, last question, not really um, about UC athletics, but it's more of like a general question uh, for anybody listening and maybe for us three, uh, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who wants to start out in media, broadcasting, writing, just really sports in general,
1: focus on building relationships. That is 1000% the ultimate key to this and not. Not the the simple ones. It's not always the easy ones. So I, I'll go back to uh, Luke Fickle's hiring process. Um, Mike Bone was the athletic director and he had someone that at the time was his, what was called chief of staff. Um, and this name has become very popular now. He's become one of the most powerful, you know, I think Forbes just named him to their 40 under 40 list. Uh, In college athletics, Brandon Sosten, who's a a local Sycamore guy. Um, His family has been in and around UC athletics his whole life. Um, And he was instrumental in the process. Like he was the only person from UC with Mike Bone at Luke Fickle's house for the interview. Right. And everybody in town is scrambling around trying to get information. And I've known Brandon, fortunately, since he was a ball boy for Mick when he was like 11 years old was when I met him uh, and always cultivated that relationship because, you know, I had known him since he was a kid. And now all of a sudden that relationship becomes critical because he's a higher up in the athletic department. Um, he was still very difficult to get information out of, but I was the one that had a source that wasn't like the others, right? Everybody else was getting their stuff from the same people who weren't either weren't saying anything or weren't dialed into how the process was happening. So at at worst, what I was getting was you know rumors would start. They're looking at this guy, they're looking at that guy, uh, and I was able to confirm through those secondary sources whether that was true or not. So then you start the process of elimination. People start coming to you. Because so-and-so said that, uh, I, I can't even remember who at the time that, that some of the names were, but um, th- this person is a candidate. Was that true? No. Okay. So then I can go and, and put on Twitter or put on Bearcat Journal. That guy's not in the running. Like that's that's not where the focus is. Um, he got me good. You want to hear a great story? So I get a tip that mike bone and brandon sasna are on their way to columbus to have dinner with the fickle family so i text brandon i'm like dinner with the fickles tonight and he texts back no and usually he would just not respond like if i was on to something he would not respond meaning can't comment not going to comment like you're not getting anything out of me um And he said, no. So I'm like, huh, this is a really good source that that knows a lot of things. I'm perplexed by this. So Luke Fickle gets hired. And I'm like, dude, I had the interview. You knew I had the interview. Why did you say, why did you lie to me? He said, and he's like, well, you said that we were going to dinner at the Fickle house. We did not have dinner. So you phrased the question wrong. You asked if we were going to dinner at the Fickle House. And the answer was no, we were not going to dinner at the Fickle House. We did not have dinner, um, but that's... So at the Fickle press conference, I'm standing there talking to Brandon and you can see a lot of the media in the room, like looking around like, who's that you know, 24-year-old that Chad has taught? Why is Chad always talking to this 24-year-old? Well, because that's the person that knows the things. <laughs> you gotta find the person that knows the things if you're going to get the information. Um, but I, you know, that's a relationship I had cultivated for a long time and you just never know like when those are going to pay off, when those are going to, are really going to break your way. Uh, and it just so happened that 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 one, that one worked out, but that's everything. Like it, you go through the role, it's, it's boosters. It's, you know, I, I can't really, I'm not going to give away all the secrets, but, you make as many and build as many quality, high-level relationships as you can. Um, and here's another another tip that's just as important as that. The relationships can't be one side. If the relationship is always you taking and them giving, they're going to stop giving at some point. Like it, There has to be, you have to be valuable in other ways. You have to find a way. Uh, to make your mark to make yourself uh, an asset. And if you don't, those wells are going to run dry eventually, no matter what they are, because it, it just can't always be, hey, uh, I know we haven't talked in six months. Um, but, you know, I, I need some info, like it, it can't work like that. So so, you know, maybe you've got somebody that that's close to the program that, that knows some people or hears some things, Well, maybe like after spring practice, if something happens interesting that day, you call that person and you say, Hey, here's what, here's what went on. You might be interested. Here's what went on at spring practice today that, that you weren't at and you hand them the information. And then all of a sudden they feel like, and the reality is now this relationship's a two way street. You're helping me out with something that I didn't see. I can help you out with something that you didn't see. Um, It's difficult at first. Uh, but if you focus on that, if you focus on the relationship part of it, you're gonna get where you want to go uh, because you're gonna you're gonna have that infrastructure built beneath you that makes sure if you get a tip, you know the right person to call. You know you, you get a tip on something, there's gonna be eight different ways you can go with it. You need to know the right way to get to the answer so that you can get the scoop or so that when the story breaks, you can be out in front of the story. Um, so that would be the biggest piece of, of advice I could give. Build as many relationships as you can. There's nobody too small in, in that regard because you never know when that 11 year old is gonna turn out to be you know, the number two decision maker in the university. I'm gonna
0: interrupt Tyler before real quick. Uh, Chad, can you give some examples of building relationships? Uh, how, how do you give back to the people that gives so much to you. Like, what what are some examples that uh, personal examples that you have from the past that, like, you're comfortable disclosing
1: to us? Well, not many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one would be like, it, 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 so I started, I guess, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, going to uh, AAU tournaments and getting eyes on recruits and, um giving myself some value in that way uh, because there's a lot of like the, the way it works generally AAU basketball runs all of April, all of May and all of July. So you've got basically 12 weeks uh, of AAU basketball and coaches are generally on, only allowed out on the road, like four or five of those weeks. So the other six or seven weeks coaches can't watch kids. They, they can't be on the road. So they, they don't know, you know, they can get a report from like the, the AAU coach, but then you're dealing with an AAU coach who has skin in the game. So, of course, they're going to tell you their guy looked awesome. Um, so I started going out to these AAU events. And the more knowledge you gain from those, the more value you have um, in the basketball offices. Because you, somebody can make a phone call and say, hey, how did, how did so-and-so look this weekend? Hey, did you get a chance to watch this kid? Hey, have you seen this team? And now you have information that they they either didn't have or you can expand on the information that they're looking for. Um, that was really the first uh, like area where I started to realize, okay, this is what the give and take of the situation uh, is for. Um, and then with football, it works. You know, football camps, getting out to football camps and talking to people and and building that that base as well once I started doing more than just basketball once I started doing football um I think that's a great starting point and you know, people get tired of hearing the story from me but I was going to see Troy Copain one day uh, an AAU tournament and his game was running about an hour behind so you're sitting there in a gym nothing to do you're like yeah so I'll watch a different game. So I watched a, uh, a 16 and under game, which was kids that were sophomores going into their junior year. And the first thing I see, this kid goes up, gets a rebound. He takes two dribbles and throws a 75 foot bounce pass for a layup. Hmm. Kid was six, seven. Good looking frame. Go into the, the book that they give you from the tournament. There was a really tiny AAU team from North Carolina. Go go to the roster, 11. Gary Clark, huh? I'm going to sit and watch this Gary Clark here for the next hour as I wait to see Troy Copain's game. So I went over afterwards and I talked to Gary Clark, and I'm like, you know, what schools do you have interest in? And basically at that point in time, there were a couple of the smaller North Carolina schools, including UNC Greensboro, head coached by Wes Miller. Um, And I'm like, okay, I mean – All the information I'd I'd go make a phone call to one of my sources in the athletic department that I knew handled uh recruiting in that region and said, Have you heard anything about this Gary Clark kid? And the the guy said, I I know the name, but I I don't have any, I haven't gone out, haven't had a chance to catch him yet. And I'm like, Well, I think you need to go watch him because this kid's really good, really, really good. And uh, that's how UC started recruiting Gary Clark. And if you're talking about give and take. Uh, You put Gary Clark on the table and long-term your value uh, increases significantly. (laughs) So that's, that, that's, I mean, that's kind of the best thing I can give is whatever you're doing, find where the hole is. And the hole was those seven weeks of AAU events that coaches couldn't get out to they're craving somebody they trust to be at those events somebody that has a trained eye that knows what the, the type of player that they're looking for, that knows, you know, what Cincinnati basketball is all about. Um, and if you can provide that, then you fill that hole. And all of a sudden, you know, your, your value has increased and your level of information, your level of trust, right? Cause that's what this is all about when you're building relationships is building trust. And now they, they have a greater level of trust because you have proved proven, proved, proven, whatever, um, either or, I think both were, uh, you have, you have shown that, that there's value in, in them uh, being in the information exchange business with you. Hopefully that's what you're looking for.
0: No, that was, I mean, that was perfect example. I, you know, I, I didn't even know that kind of thing was existed. I, I, you know, like, I didn't know you could go to those AAU tournaments and you could help coaches out like that or recruiters or I didn't know that relationship really existed in the world. So that might be one of the cooler stories that I've heard because everyone and their brother knows who Gary Clark is. If you're a UC fan um, or if you don't live under a rock, but
1: that's that is <laughs> now, certainly one that, of the- that coach would have found it. Right. I just, I just got lucky that I found him first, but that's the other part of the work, right? Because if I was lazy, I would have just gone and sat in my car and waited for that hour to pass or, you know, I would have went outside and got on my phone and made a couple caught up on a couple of phone calls, but instead use the hour productively, go watch a game, see if you might see something and you never know when you do. And I just, I, I still, it was called the North Carolina red storm was the name of the AAU team. They had those old, like, remember when you played like YMCA, like mm. the, the, the pennies, like the, they had those kind of like mesh uniforms, you could tell they were they were operating on a shoestring budget, uh, but they had a kid that, that turned out to be pretty good. Turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. Uh,
0: before we go to Ethan Tyler, you got anything else for him?
2: No, I was just gonna say, uh, Ethan, it's your go.
3: All right, Ethan, you're up, man.
2: Yeah, it's my turn.
1: Oh. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be trouble.
3: Oh, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> you, you could. It just depends. It's up for interpretation here. Um. So you had touched on it. A little bit with sean but i was wondering your dream job like overall i know you said radio was what you were into but was that it like would you want to be radio talent or is there something else
1: down that you- um initially i wanted to like radio to get into the play-by-play world uh then you start listening to guys like dan horde and you're like i am not that, that <laughs> talented i'm not that good um Having my own, like initially, like having your own, you know, morning show or afternoon drive show, uh, would kind of, you know, have been like the the top of the mountain where you're you're settled and and you're that guy uh, that everybody goes to in their car, either on their way to work or on their way home from work, uh, to get their sports information, opinion. You know, that kind of would have been, uh, at that point, the mountaintop, for sure.
3: It's funny you say that. It's essentially exactly what I want to do with my life, is do play-by-play on the radio at some point. Um, the next question would be, your favorite story that you've covered out of UC? If you, ha- if you have one. I'm sure there's probably, like, all sorts of them. Ooh, but
1: Favorite. So... Uh, there's so many to, to go through that it's, it's hard to kind of narrow it down to one. Um, I was, uh, here's one that always comes up. I was, uh, two inches away from Keenan Ellis from channel nine. As Tommy Tuberville walked off the field with a fan in the stand screaming, you're stealing money, Tommy. Quit stealing from this university. <laughs> and Ethan and I, are, uh, and uh, Keenan and I are, are standing there. Like, is this really happening? So, last second, Keenan throws his uh, camera up on his shoulder, hits record, and one second after he hits record, go to hell, get a job. So I was, I would like, and that was like, that was the end. Tommy Tuberville was getting another year because of the way his contract was done and the money, like he was going to get another year until that moment. So I, and they had just like, normally I wouldn't have been there. They had changed. Um, We used to do the post-game press conferences in the, there's a building right there next to the, the, cafeteria, the the student center and all that, that there's like a four story building right there. We would do press conferences on the third floor of that building. And that was the first game they changed it to, we were doing the press conferences down on the, in the, the on-field locker room right there underneath the Bearcat layer section. So normally I would have been, we all would have been up in the press conference room waiting to do the press conference. But because they had moved us down to the field, we were standing on the field. Uh, and if not, that never would have got caught. Or if Keenan waits five seconds to put that camera on his shoulder, he doesn't get the sound. And if he doesn't get the sound, then it's just urban legend that Tupperville cussed out a fan. You know what I mean? But because, he, we, because the, the, the culmination of events happened as they – very specifically did the the chain reaction of everything that happened. We just happened to be standing right there at that point in time when he walked off and yelled, go to hell and get a job. And Keenan got it on video. I I don't even think Keenan did the post game press conference. I believe he immediately went and downloaded that and sent it back to the station for the station to run on air and to put it on Twitter to go viral because it was Like sometimes there's a viral moment you know is a viral moment in a high major college football coach screaming at a fan coming off the field is one of those things that's going to going to get a ton of attention. Uh, So that would probably be the coolest of like the way it happened, how it happened, what it meant that it was the precursor to Luke Fickle becoming the head football coach. And if that doesn't happen. You know, they keep Tommy for a year. Maybe Luke decides to take a a different job. And where are we at in the trajectory of UC athletics if Tommy Tuberville doesn't tell that fan to go to hell and get a job?
3: That's got to be one of the most right place, right time stories I've ever heard. That is insane.
1: We were just talking. Yeah. and, and, And as the fan keeps screaming at Tommy and Tommy's walking towards us, (laughs) <laughs> just for whatever reason was like i think i need to hit record on this
3: that, that's some and, great intuition there
1: i mean yeah hey. it, it literally happened one second after he hit record there was there was no lead up he wasn't like a situation where he was standing there filming Tupperville coming off the field and just happened to catch it it yeah. was uh pure luck
3: <laughs> that is insane now the last question i have for you is sort of similar but kind of different if you could go back to one UC event that you've covered what would it be boy kind of a loaded that question is,
1: that i mean there's there's so many good there's so many bad um, I, i'd obviously pick one of the good uh boy The football wise, the game I'll never forget was Oregon State in Brian Kelly's first year because it it had been building, right? And and Mark D'Antonio had the Rutgers game the year before where the fans stormed the field and they knocked off a top five team in the country, top 10 team in the country. I think Rutgers was number six. Um, It had been building. But that night against Oregon State and Nippert Stadium was really like ESPN had just kind of started the Thursday night football thing. Um, it had a terrible reputation. It was seen as like Little League. Um, you know, it was seen as a cheap way for, for smaller programs to get on TV. Um, and standing on that turf in Nippert, Seeing that place, and this is 2007, so this, you know, I'm, I'm very, very new in my UC career, at least in terms of covering UC. Seeing Nippert look like that and seeing that atmosphere was like, this could be a thing. Like, this could really be a thing. Like, I don't know what it's going to take to get all the way there. And then watching them, I mean, they, they kicked Oregon State's ass that game and see a Nippert just like explode for three hours and the impression it left on the national audience that, Hey, this Cincinnati football might, might be a thing. Like this team that's been around for a hundred years might finally not be dormant uh, anymore. And it might be good for more than just, you know, every decade, the random upset of a top 25, you know, big 10 school uh, or whatever the case may be. Um, so that for me and, in, in football was really, really cool. It, just that first real like nip at night moment and, and getting to be there for it and getting to experience it. Basketball, I, I know it's a loss, but I, I, there is one game that was a loss that left a lasting impression on me. And that was Sean Kilpatrick's. Senior year, the Russ Smith shot against Louisville. Um, it didn't end the way everybody wanted it to, but that was as loud and alive as I've ever seen Fifth Third Arena. You had two top ten teams, you had two All Americans, you had the mentor and the 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 pupil, and Patino and Cronin. Um, Mick was finally on stable ground and and getting the you know they're just coming off a. Uh, uh, I think two years prior, coming off a, a berth in the Sweet 16, they were in the top ten. The, the hug zero was back, if you will, at that point in time. Um, and then the ultimate sadness when when Russ Smith, you know, drains that jumper to to cut their heart out. But that two hours in Fifth Third Arena was unbelievable. So you got two. Hey. If you asked for one. I gave you two. I'm sorry. Hey,
3: I'm winning. It was better than
0: one. Well, Chad, that was those were some pretty awesome stories, man. I mean, I think all of us are going to walk away like pretty satisfied with everything we heard today. I think we learned a few things, um, heard some great stories. I'm actually going to send over this uh, this L.A. Times article about Luke Fickle because it's amazing everything that you said it mirrored everything that was written in this article. It, it's, it's a great read. It's about 2000 plus word long form journalism style article. Um, not my specialty. Yeah. Honest. Not, not mine either. Believe me. not <laughs> mine I like to do the radio side of things better. Yeah. Or I'm a better talker than I am a writer. So, um, but that's, that's really, I think that's really everything we got for you. Um, but we got actually a couple more things. I lied. I had a follow up question familiar. Um, where do you envision Bearcat Journal going in the future?
1: I I'm not going anywhere. So just going to continue to build. I, I've had I I got offered uh, when Mick got the L A or the U C L A job. Uh, I got offered to go out there and and take over the publishing of the U C L A twenty four site and uh, p- potentially eventually take over ownership of that site. Um, and then when USC. When Mike Bone went out there, I had some overtures to, to go out there. I've had plenty of opportunity. Uh, Mike Bone tried to hire me like 30 times uh, to come work in, in media at UC. Um, but I just feel like like this thing is my baby now, like 16 years building something from the ground up. I don't know that I could with a good conscience, walk away and hand it over to somebody else. Um, so this, I guess has kind of become my life's work and, uh, there are, there are a lot of sites, uh, above us that, that are those land grant university power five, uh, whatever sites that now that you see is headed to the big 12, I've got my sites set on them. And I used to think there was a limit to how big Bearcat journal can get. I don't think that anymore. Uh, I think if we keep pushing and keep working and putting out great content um and and stay kind of even even with the game or ahead of the game as technology continues to change the content game um you, you know with podcasting and YouTube channels and you know all the different ways that are there now to create revenue um I'm excited I don't think there's any any ceiling to, to how far I can, I can take it now. And that's, it's pretty cool because for a long time, I thought there's a, there's a level that we're going to get to and we're not going to be able to go any farther than that. Not just that's the crazy thing about the big 12. It doesn't just impact the sports programs. It impacts everything that's in the UC universe and, and Bearcat journals part of that as well.
0: Well I think we're all excited to see where that goes in the future. UC athletics and, and to see where Bearcat Journal goes as well. We certainly hope to hope to see you around the media room a lot more. said, so, you know, I'd hoping I can walk around, we can shake hands. Sure. See you before games and stuff like that. I mean I'll be graduating not... in the
1: spring. Oh, you're, you're you're angling for a job now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I that. can I
3: can come and annoy you. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> I, I'll, I, I'll find I, you.
1: I, 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 as you guys have learned. I'm not as as uh, angry as people think I am. No. People, people think I'm angry when I'm just having fun on the internet. They take that as uh, me being in a bad mood all the time.
3: You, the I just want to say your tweets are some of my favorite things to look at on that site. <laughs> they, they are so great. They make my day like all the time. I appreciate that. I
0: love it. Well,
1: it, you take it the way it should be taken. Yeah. It's humor. I do. I'm it is. having fun with it. Yeah. And... Way too many people get their feelings hurt on Twitter. They do. So, it, it's I, just it's Twitter. It's just a Twitter yeah. thing. I know. I, I probably shouldn't be as much of a uh, sarcastic uh, voice as I am, but I can't help myself. And I would disagree
0: <laughs> with that. I think people just need to stop getting butthurt so easily. True. Yeah, true. I would agree with
1: that. They do it to themselves. They I do. Don't, I don't uh-huh. start things. I just respond to things. Uh-huh. And if you are looking for the smoke, by saying some stupid shit in my mentions. We're gonna get it. <laughs>
0: oh, man. I'm not
1: Justin. People say dumb stuff in Justin's mentions all the time. Justin's nice. Like Justin doesn't fire back. I said like I'm of the firm belief that we don't tell people that say stupid stuff that what they said is stupid. We don't do that enough anymore. <laughs> people just get to say stupid stuff and think that it's smart. Yeah. We should stop. Like somebody has to say, look. That was not smart. Don't say that Maybe. anymore.
0: And we could have a whole other episode on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and people saying dumb stuff on there. I mean, Man. <laughs> oh, we have I'll, a whole... I'll give
1: you access to my mentions. You...
3: Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> oh,
1: I love, yeah. it. Man, I the love ones, it. The ones that I'm sarcastic about are like one-tenth of the things that show up oh, in gosh. my mentions. It's, it's bad. It's not good. It's Twitter after all. <laughs> yeah, it's it, gets, Twitter. it gets bad. Um, i'm mad tweeted chad that's my new favorite thing <laughs> you see loses and and hashtag i'm mad tweeted chad becomes a thing we need that to be is on Twitter. is
0: that your is that your handle on twitter or do you think would you think about making that your handle on twitter
1: no because i it's not all the time it's just when things go wrong like i have anything to, like like i can do something about it like I'm, right. I'm gonna text west from the the media section and be like uh Johnny, bunch of numbers, Johnny, eight, seven, four, six, two, three, five. Uh, doesn't think you should have made that substitution. And Wes is going to be like, he's right. He's right. <laughs> David, Get back in. Sorry. That's my bad. That's my bad. Like, what do you think? What are you trying to accomplish by getting mad at me? I don't work in that department.
3: I, I'm, I'm making that a shirt. It's gonna, it's going to happen.
1: I'll, I'll, what i'm mad tweeted yeah chad? i'm
3: gonna make that a shirt
1: okay <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll, I'll get you one what's your shirt size uh
1: extra large actually got i, it. Mean, I can we're we're doing a new bearcat journal line with 513 Ooh. shirts that might not be a bad oh. idea to, See? oh to, to, there you to, go to yeah. i'm mad hashtag i'm mad tweeted chad yeah oh. i like that <laughs> i support i support it chad That's do you ever listen to uh the bill burrs podcast um, some, I listen more to Bill Burt. Okay. Because I'm Bill, a huge Burt Kreischer guy. Right.
0: Bill Burr. It's, it's funny. You say that Bill Burr on his podcast all the time. Whenever he talks sports, he's like, as a long time comedian, like, you know, he's very sarcastic, you know, he's a super yeah. sarcastic guy. He loves to make that. Joke, we are. I we know are what's best. For the, yeah. Yeah. He's, I, he's like, I know what's best as, as a long time fan who's never played a single down of football. I know it's best for that. So that's that's what that reminded me of yeah, right there. It's
1: a, it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Now I'm a big Bill Burr fan. He is uh he is hilarious. Fantastic. Uh but I'm also a big Bert Kreischer fan. So I I do a lot of Bill Burr and then Two Bears One Cave. I'm oh yeah, I I I love their podcast. They're great. Yeah. Those two are awesome. Tom Segura is <laughs>
0: Your mom, another your mom's really house?
1: sarcastic. Yeah. That's your mom's house. Is yeah.
0: <laughs> Bill, I've been watching a lot of Tom Segura recently. Um, so one last final thing, Bearcats got a game tonight, uh, nine o'clock against SMU. We want to hear your thoughts, your predictions on tonight's game. It's the last regular season game of the year for Cincinnati before they head off to Fort Worth uh, in the American athletic conference championship. So what are your predictions and your thoughts for tonight?
1: I know I'm probably going to be wrong here, mm. but for some reason, I have a pretty decent feeling about tonight. They have generally handled SMU pretty well, um, even it, it, through these last couple lean years where the the, the situation the program has been uh, kind of in flux. They've still played SMU really well. Um, SMU does not have the length that generally bothers Cincinnati. Like if you look at Houston and you look at even like this temple team um, that's given them trouble the past couple of weeks, uh, they have a lot of length, especially on the perimeter that frustrates Cincinnati. SMU doesn't have that. Their guards are smaller. Um, If if Cincinnati can hold Kendrick Davis to a reasonable number, they shut him down the first game and that's why they were able to pull away and win big. If they can hold him to 15 or less, uh, I have a, strange pretty good feeling about this it's also a game there's a lot of pressure on smu um because if they lose this game they're not going to make the ncaa tournament without you know probably winning the american athletic conference tournament so there's a lot of pressure on them uh in this game i don't know why and i'll probably be wrong but i have a feeling this one at worst is going to uh going to go down to the wire and be a game the Bearcats can can win in the final five minutes.
0: How many points do you
1: think they win by? Oh, if they win, it won't be by many. If they win, it'll be three or four. The reason I'm not outright saying they're going to win is because we've seen them get to that point in the final five minutes, and they either struggle to get stops or they struggle to make baskets. and they come up two or three points short, what I'm saying is I think they're. this is going to be a game that's going to be decided after the final media timeout, not a game, you know, like Houston, where it's, you know, 18, 18, they cut it to 12. And then Houston scores six straight in the final minute to, to get back over the number. But if, if I was gambling and I'm a terrible gambler, I don't gamble because I'm terrible at it. I would take Cincinnati and plus seven and a half. I think the last I saw it was seven and a half. I think they keep it closer than that.
0: Okay, well, one thing we love to do on this show is we love to make score prediction too. So,
2: um, Tyler... You I'm guys, go ahead.
0: Okay, all right, Tyler, I'm going to throw it to you. What After hearing Chad's thoughts, what are you thinking? What are you feeling?
2: Um, honestly, I would agree with them. I mean, I feel like UC, when they play SMU, um, they always give them a good fight. I've never really seen a blowout win, or blowout win by SMU, at least. I've seen blowout wins from SMU, from UC, but not SMU. Um, like he said, the pressure of SMU I think will be felt big time, uh, especially with UC, who when they're on with their three-point shots, they can do anything essentially. Um, But in that case, I'm going to go Bearcats just because, you know, I have to go with the Bearcats. Um, I'm going to go 65-63 Bearcats. Ethan, you're up.
3: All right, so I like to pretend I know what I'm looking at when I look at the spread and the over-under. So... (laughs) Um, over-unders, like, 141 about, and I'm I'm gonna take 73 Bearcats, uh, Mustang 70 on this one. i say it's a little bit more high-scoring. I feel like defense just won't show up tonight for some odd reason. I don't know, just a hunch. And SMU's gonna choke it, to be honest. I, I Like, has been reiterated plenty of times, there's a lot of pressure coming into the night. Houston, I believe, is on the brink of of last four in. I think I'd have to double check. I just looked. I looked at right
1: there. SMU is right there on last four in line on most bracket projections that have them in.
3: Okay, because I just checked that earlier today because I was curious and I saw that. And that's gonna that's that's the weight on their shoulders here. If they can't win, they're not going to be in. So I I say Bearcats upset them, and it's going to only going to be uh, Houston and Memphis in the in the tournament.
0: So what's your score prediction here?
3: Oh, seventy three Bearcats, uh, Mustangs seventy.
0: Okay. Oh, you did yeah. you did say that? My I, I did. That's so, okay. <laughs> yeah, I I usually it's, it's usually it's toward the end. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, UC's got and got nothing to lose tonight. Uh. You know, at this point, it's kind of just. I guess playing for position in terms of seating, which at this point really doesn't make a big difference. Um, if they're not top five, they don't really get a first round bye. So UC's really got nothing to lose. I think they play well in the first half against Houston, not so much in the second half, but I think Wes Miller is ready to make adjustments for that. Uh, it's a tough final road game. I think Wes is going to want to go out with the bang. So I think Bearcats when it's 61 to 59 over the Mustangs on the road tonight. Um and that's pretty much all we got in terms of UC sports. Chad, did you see that, that uh, game winner
1: last night against Ohio State? I did. I did. I had a chance to talk to uh, Coach Guggins today. And he was, uh, he was rather fired up about being able to uh, get that game thrown together at the last minute and, uh, and, and pick up that win. He, Coach guggs is an awesome guy. He runs a great program. Mm-hmm. If you can, get out you know, with the Reds and Major League Baseball being a bunch of dumbasses. Uh, get out and support the baseball Bearcats because it's a fun product. This is a team that is going to score a lot of runs. Their offense is very good. Uh, so if you want to go watch a, a bunch of runs scored and a bunch of home runs and uh, a really fun team to follow, uh, go go check out what twenty almost twenty five hundred people at the yeah. stadium last night. Like a, yeah, make that man. a thing. Just make a, that a thing.
3: It is. I I I vouch for that. That was. I was on call that game with Tyler last night, and that was an insane
1: game. I'm jealous you got Italy's. to call that, Ethan. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool.
0: And as you guys know,
1: getting like getting or being around them, like Coach Googs is awesome.
0: Coach Googs is a great dude. We we were actually I was in a sports reporting class with uh, um oh gosh I'm gonna forget his name now. Uh, one of the journal, journalism professors here um has good relations with the athletic department. Uh, Michael, uh, I'm going forget his last name here but we went to that Louisville game they had last year when Louisville yeah. was, I think number five in the country. And yeah. as a sports reporting class, we got to go down, we got to interview, um, you know, coach Guggins and the player who hit the home run or hit the, the, uh, the base hit to send the last guy in, in uh, extra innings. And it's really cool. Coach, go- Coach Guggins really is a great guy. I think I remember when I first came here back in 2018, my thought process was, you know, we got coach Guggins, we got, Mick Cronin and we got Luke Fickle. And obviously now we have Wes Miller, but this athletic department's done a great job with hiring head coaches and they're all great personalities. They're all great people. I'm sorry. I'm going
1: to read something to you guys. No, go ahead. Top QB prospect Desmond Ritter said lions head coach, Dan Campbell, quote made me drink a glass of milk during their meeting earlier this week. Ritter who is lactose intolerant said Campbell wanted to test his toughness and ability to recall plays while in pain. Are you bleeping kidding me? What? what? <laughs> Pardon? That's Pardon? a real thing. Oh Des God. said this on the podium <laughs> at the oh combine. My. Dan oh my God. Campbell made me drink a glass of milk during their meeting earlier this week. Ritter, who is lactose intolerant, said Campbell wanted to test his toughness and ability to recall plays while in pain. For,
3: for, he, for the... This is the head coach for Detroit, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, yeah. no wonder Detroit is acting like they are like they're they're treating their prospects like that.
1: What? Wow.
2: Uh, I mean, that's mind-boggling.
1: I oh well, have to say? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, that's unbelievable. That, that is
3: genuinely absolutely unbelievable. Crazy
1: that a wow. a grown-ass man making <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like progressing to the point in his life where he's making like six million dollars a year. Said made it made a made a twenty-three-year-old do that do that.
3: How dare you hurt our boy? <laughs>
0: that's so mean. Yeah, that's well, our pride possession right there. Wow. Now I have a reason oh, to dislike God. the Lions. I didn't before, yeah, but now, now I, I do. now I do too. Yeah. What? <laughs> that's crazy.
3: Really? Oh man! Unbelievable. Oh,
0: that's class A reporting right there. That's there is. I hope he doesn't make a kid eat a peanut who's got a peanut allergy or something. Uh, yeah, that would...
1: that's that's a, that's a lawsuit and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kid, guy's got a peanut allergy, and Dan Campbell's like, "Here's a payday, bitch." <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Let's see what you got.
3: Eat it. Call plays. Yeah. Throw it. You, you, you want to play in the NFL? Here. Yeah. Throw throw a fifty bomb while you after you ate a payday. There you go. Do it. Uh, here's
1: this. Here's a Snickers. Let's see what you got, kid. You're not you, when no. you're hungry. There you go. Thir- three minutes later, the kid's
0: like... <laughs> Can't breathe.
1: <laughs> Help me! Help
0: me! Oh, oh man. man. Oh, we're, oh. I'm, I'm excited for the draft, though. You me got, too. You got, what is it, 11 UC players in the draft it's this year? eight. It, eight there's as a eight combo. at the
3: combine. There's eight at the combine,
1: um, yes. I think okay. you'll see at least eight, maybe nine drafted, and then another handful of guys that... uh that end up uh, getting free agent contracts and getting their shot. Definitely, I would agree with that.
0: How, how who do you think Sauce goes to?
1: Or what? That's what so? Uh, that's so. That's so hard to tell right now because it's kind of all over the place on everywhere on where he lands, and then you just have Daniel Jeremiah, who's you know one of the top talent evaluators in the country, uh, just rated him fourth. He's the number four prospect in the draft. So I I think you're looking at he could go anywhere from what 10 to uh, I I have to think he ends up in the in the top 10 at this point. You're talking he might be a top five, top seven pick. I could see it. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. So I don't know specifically yet because I think you want to get through like get through the combine, see what he runs. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, if he runs something crazy four, three, nine, or four, four, two, right along those lines, um, he's gonna be a top 10 pick. And now, if he goes four, four, seven, four, eight, four, four, seven, four, four, eight, uh, you could see him maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that. I've seen the Ravens. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Oh, I would oh, I would be upset. So. Yeah. After I don't, I after don't see that
3: at all. after Ravens Twitter, uh, barraging the yeah. Bengals fans. Good lord. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, just anywhere but there. Anywhere yeah. but there. There's it, it, he's going to be great wherever he goes. I'm excited for him. Well, I think that's uh,
0: everything we've got for tonight. So Chad, we won't keep you much longer. We appreciate uh, you taking an hour and a half out of your day. To come talk to a few casuals like us, <laughs> um, we're trying to build our own little program over here, our own little show. So we appreciate you taking the time and responding to us on Twitter um, and answering. You got all your questions. thirty-six likes. I did. <laughs> I did. Uh-huh. Very very quick. happy. Very quick. I thought it would no, take it, us a couple of days. It took us a couple hours. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and and I respect that my listener or my my Twitter crew uh, was was sharp enough on uh stopping uh, they it got to 37 and then one person unliked yeah uh so that we could get a 36 and it yeah. never moved from there mm-hmm. so uh the discipline is uh impressive that's a pardon my take thing um they used to, they would do um like what how many how many retweets uh to uh, to release the podcast early
3: oh uh, so if they got it. got it
1: done at like 10 o'clock at night let's release it tonight at 10 o'clock instead of tomorrow morning at 6 a.m
3: okay uh and I then it you. would be
1: a, a thing for the fans to have the discipline that when it got to the number to not go over the number i like that so i like that a I lot that Smart. Ah. i borrowed that and they passed the test good work people Yo. awesome
0: <laughs> well chad thanks again everyone thanks for no tuning problem. in for today's Thank episode you so much Chad, Chad Brennell for the Bearcat Journal. Once again, appreciate your time. And uh, as always, we'll be right back here next week, next Thursday, around three o'clock, three 30. episode. will go out tonight. It is Thursday, March 3rd. We'll see you next week, Thursday, March 10th. Until then go Bearcats, Chad. Thanks again. We'll see you around.